It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 356 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called It's Happening! It is April 22, 2022, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off with some uh, news about stuff going on with Activision and all that and you know that's pretty standard now with this show just to keep you up to date about what's going on Uh, there's an article from Reuters titled Activision says it is cooperating with federal insider trading probes which I think I mentioned maybe I didn't mention last episode because I was talking about something else that had to do with Activision but in any case here's a little bit from the Reuters article Activision Blizzard is cooperating with federal investigations into trading by friends of its chief executive shortly before the gaming company disclosed its sale to Microsoft Corps in a securities filing on Friday. It received requests for information from the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and received a subpoena from a Department of Justice grand jury, the maker of Call of Duty, said in an amended proxy filing. The requests, quote, appear to relate to their respective investigations into trading by third parties, including persons known to Activision Blizzard's CEO in securities prior to the announcement of the proposed transaction, it said. Microsoft in January agreed to acquire Activision for $95 a share or $68.7 billion in total in the biggest video gaming industry deal in history, which I'm sure you've probably heard, but if you haven't, that's what they're paying for it. The company did not name the parties, nor say whether the grand jury subpoena was directed at any employee. The filing did not disclose when it received the subpoena or the SEC request for information. Media moguls Barry Diller and David Geffen and investor Alexander von Furstenberg acquired share options after von Furstenberg met with Activision CEO Bobby Kotick and days before it disclosed the sale to Microsoft, the Wall Street Journal reported last month. Activision Blizzard has informed these authorities that it intends to be fully cooperative with these investigations, the company said, and it just kind of goes on from there a little bit. Everything I talk about in this show will be linked into the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com. And next we have an article from The Hollywood Reporter from April 20 titled Activision Blizzard Fends Off Shareholder Class Action Lawsuit Over Sexual Harassment Disclosures. The blurb says... A federal judge dismissed a lawsuit from shareholders alleging they were misled about the severity of investigations into the video game giant's workplace culture. They have, they'll have the opportunity to fix their claims. So here's a piece from this. Facing legal battles on numerous fronts, Activision Blizzard has won a skirmish with a federal judge's dismissal of a lawsuit from shareholders, alleging the company lied to them by minimizing the impact of allegedly widespread sexual harassment and discrimination against female employees. I understand why The Hollywood Reporter put alleged in there, but we have enough evidence from people who had this happen to them 
to make it maybe not be so alleged, in my opinion. Back to the article. U.S. District Judge Percy Anderson on Tuesday found that investors failed to point to specific false statements that the company made and that there wasn't a duty to disclose investigations by three separate government agencies. Anderson wrote that the shareholders, quote, offer a speculative conclusion without sufficient details about defendants' conduct to raise a strong inference, end quote, of an intent to mislead them. Activision Blizzard shareholders alleged that the sexual harassment and gender discrimination were endemic at the company, especially at Blizzard Entertainment, and that it failed to disclose the misconduct despite investigations by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and the Securities and Exchange Commission. They cited statements and filings to security securities regulators that the company was only, quote, party to routine investigations end quote, and codes of conduct, stating that it wouldn't tolerate harassment, retaliation, and discrimination. Anderson, that's the judge, I think, is that right? Yep, Anderson, concluded that the investors, quote, failed to plead sufficient facts to establish falsity, end quote, because it, quote, rambles through long stretches of material, end quote, from lawsuits by the DFEH and EEOC without sufficiently arguing that Activision Blizzard lied to and intended to deceive them. Among the reasons for the dismissal was that Activision Blizzard wasn't obligated to tell shareholders about the federal and state investigations, the judge ruled. Now, personally, I think that's garbage. I mean, that is probably what happened. That is probably true that they're not obligated to tell shareholders about that. But if you were a shareholder for a big company and you were kept in the dark about all this stuff happening in the company, I mean, I think I'd be mad. You know, I'd be like, why didn't you tell me this stuff, I would have left, you know, that kind of thing. But here we are. Under securities laws, a company is required to describe pending legal proceedings from governmental authorities, but Anderson found that the call of duty maker had no duty to disclose either of the federal or state investigations because they weren't technically legal proceedings. Uh, Anyway, so there's that. Activision Blizzard disclosed April 15 that it's cooperating with a lawsuit from the Department of Justice into suspected insider trading that might have been facilitated by CEO Bobby Kotek just days before the video game publisher was acquired by Microsoft, according to a filing to the SEC. And there's a scribbed thing, scribbed copies, stuff like lawsuit type thingies, and it's in there and the Hollywood Reporter article if you want to take a look at that. And then we have Steven Totillo, who I've mentioned before. He writes about video games for Axios. And he's got a couple of tweets that are kind of interesting and probably more than I'm going to go into in this podcast specifically. But he tweeted this. On Friday, Activision added a line to its main filing about the planned sale to Microsoft, stressing that Microsoft and Bobby Kotek haven't discussed nor negotiated his post merger employment status. To be clear, it sounds like Stephen Totillo, based on what I'm about to read you, believes that there is no golden parachute coming for Bobby Kotek or something like that. Or maybe, you know, that they haven't, there's like nothing in writing. Okay, so here's the thing that he pulled from the thing he was looking at about this from sec.gov apparently. So this is an amending and restating of a paragraph. 
And the, the paragraph was apparently titled or is under Proposal 1, Adoption of the Merger Agreement, the Merger, Background on the Merger. And it's on page 42, and it says this. Following the approval of the merger agreement and the transactions contemplated thereby, including the merger, by the Activision Blizzard Board of Directors, Activision Blizzard, and Microsoft, finalized the merger agreement, including the resolution of the outstanding dividend issue, which Mr. Mr. Nadella and Mr. Kotek discussed during the evening of January 17, 2021. There is a line, a partial sentence uh, line, stricken out with a line saying, and the resolution of which was approved by. That's crossed out. And it's changed in here. The ad hoc committee of the Activision Blizzard Board of Directors formed to resolve the outstanding dividend issue comprised, uh, comprised of Mr. Mordago, Corti, and Kelly approved such resolution. What are they, uh, what's the resolution? It seems to be the, the outstanding dividend issue, apparently. Early in the morning on January 18, 2022, Activision Blizzard and Microsoft executed the merger agreement and, prior to the opening of trading on January 18, 2022, issued a joint press release announcing the execution of the merger agreement. Here's something else that has been added in. No discussions or negotiations regarding post-closing employment arrangements with Microsoft occurred between Microsoft and Mr. Kotek prior to the approval and execution of the merger agreement and the transactions contemplated thereby or have occurred subsequent to such approval and execution through the date hereof. So that's been changed somewhat recently, apparently. And that indicates that, you know, at first when the merger was going down and a lot of people were like, well, Bobby Kotek's going to get this golden parachute. He's going to get a bunch of money, you know, all this stuff. And maybe not because, you know, a lot of us thought that was going to happen. And personally, I'm very cynical about pretty much every large corporation because I don't consider them capable of doing the right thing most of the time. In general, there's probably some cases where that's true that they do good things, but I didn't feel like this was one of them considering everything I've talked about. And it just kind of seemed like, really? He's just going to like go off and not have any consequences? And, and what the heck? Well, it turns out... They didn't actually, Microsoft and um, Activision Blizzard, I guess, did not talk about Mr. Kotex, you know, what's going to happen to him once this merger goes through. They didn't talk about it. So continuing, Stephen Totillo has a second tweet following that one, and he wrote... The company also added a more detailed version of their November 2021 long-range plan projections, broken down by division. Unclear if skipping Call of Duty in 2022 was decided by then, parentheses, it hadn't yet launched and underperformed. The 2023 Blizzard jump is presumably Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4. So here's this screenshot of a bunch of numbers and it's titled the following table reflects selected metrics in millions of activision blizzard's business segments of activision publishing inc well i'm just going to shorten this activision blizzard king and the long range plan approved by the activision blizzard board of directors on november 2 2021 it's got revenue activision publishing blizzard entertainment king digital operating income activision publishing again blizzard entertainment again and king digital again and it looks like i am terrible with numbers but it looks like things are going up a bit 
So I'm not really sure what this is leading up to. And Stephen Totillo uh, also says that uh, the reporting is that they'll skip Call of Duty 2023, not 2022. And again, this was prepared before 2021's game disappointed. So there's that going on. And then we have the Wall Street Journal, which you may have seen posted on social media recently. I know I retweeted a link to it through tech meme for people to read it if they wanted to read it from there. And the title of this one is Meta's Cheryl's, Cheryl Sandberg pressured Daily Mail, which is a newspaper, uh, I think, uh, to drop Bobby Kotek reporting. So basically it sounds, well, I'll just read this to you and it'll sort itself here. The blurb says, social media executive who dated the Activision Blizzard CEO was part of a campaign to persuade the UK tabloid, the Daily Mail, to shelve a potential article. Here's what it says. Meta Platforms Inc. Chief Operating Officer Cheryl Sandberg is facing internal scrutiny over two occasions in which she pressed a UK tabloid to shelve a potential article about her then-boyfriend Activision Blizzard Inc. Chief Executive Bobby Kotek, according to people close to the executives. In 2016 and 2019, Ms. Sandberg contacted the digital edition of the Daily Mail which was reporting on a story that would have revealed the existence of a temporary restraining order against Mr. Kotek that had been obtained by a former girlfriend in 2014, according to people involved in the article and the campaigns to stop its publication. Working with the team that included Facebook and Activision employees as well as paid outside advisors, Ms. Sandberg and Mr. Kotek developed a strategy to persuade the Daily Mail not to report on the restraining Training order first when they began dating in 2016 and again around the time they were breaking up in 2019 the people said among other concerns ms sandberg's legal and public relations advisors both inside and outside facebook worried that a story would reflect negatively on her reputation as an advocate for women she did that whole lean in thing i think a while back trying to support women in executive positions or, or something it might have been a book not too sure about that, but that kind of thing. So that's probably what they're aiming at with this paragraph. Facebook recently started a review of Ms. Sandberg's actions and whether she violated the company's rules, according to people close to her and to Mr. Kotek. The review started after the Wall Street Journal, where I'm reading this from, began reporting on the incidents late last year, those people said. The digital edition of the Daily Mail, which is called The Mail Online, and operates separately from the print publication, never published a story. Its reporting stemmed from 2014 court filings it had obtained that showed that an ex-girlfriend of Mr. Kotex had received a temporary restraining order against him after alleging that he harassed her at her home, according to people familiar with the situation and documents reviewed by the journal. The woman had initially petitioned for a longer-lasting order, but three weeks later the matter was removed from the court calendar at the request of both parties, and the temporary restraining order ended and the petition was dismissed, according to Los Angeles County Superior Court records. The accuser later told People 
told People, not People Magazine, told People that the declaration she filed for the restraining order included many allegations that were either exaggerated or untrue, according to some of the people with knowledge of the matter. The male, while pursuing a potential article about the restraining order, was aware that she had taken back at least some of her allegations, these people said. Both in 2016 and 2019, Ms. Sandberg told the male that the former girlfriend had retracted the allegations, according to some of the people with knowledge of the matter. In the first instance, discussions in 2016 about how to dissuade the mail from publishing an article about the restraining order included Ms. Sandberg, Mr. Kotek, Activision and Facebook employees, outside public relations advisors and lawyers in the U.S. and U.K., according to people with knowledge of the conversations. The group discussed what information they believed the mail had obtained and whether they could persuade the publication's leadership that Mr. Kotek had been wrongfully accused, one of the people said. There are conflicting accounts about what Ms. Sandberg said and whether she directly involved Facebook in her communications with the mail. Mr. Kotek has told people that Ms. Sandberg threatened the mail in 2016 by saying that such an article, if published, could damage the news organization's business relationship with Facebook, according to people familiar with his comments. So that's a thing because I read a lot about social media stuff because I write about it for work sometimes. And one of the ongoing things with Facebook is that they've, um, long story short, screwed around with publications, newspapers and such about how much their algorithm is going to post their stuff. And then they did the pivot to video, which crashed and burned and didn't really help the publishers at all. And so the concept here that the Wall Street Journal is positing, not directly, but indirectly is that if the Daily Mail decided to publish that article about the restraining order from Bobby Kotek's ex-girlfriend, that could implicate not only him, but possibly uh, Sandberg as well, who would have been the current girlfriend, I think, if I'm reading this right. And, eh, you know, (laughs) it's just kind of... um, Yeah, and that, you know, if it published... I'm going to read you that part... Uh, Ms. Sandberg threatened the mail in 2016 by saying that such an article, if published, could damage the news organization's business relationship with Facebook. Like, that sounds like a big threat, doesn't it? If you your ability to get your news out, this is a tabloid, but I'll fit it under news for now, uh, to people who might want to read it or might want to buy a subscription if they have that, uh, could have been damaged if they'd published the article. Maybe that's why they didn't publish. I don't know. It still sounds sketchy to me. In a written statement, Mr. Kotek told the journal, I never said anything like that. Of course he said that. <laughs> you know, Of course he's going to you know, deny all these things. He's got a history of it. Um, he also said the journal's other reporting about the matter was inaccurate without providing further details. So we have no idea what Kotek was talking about there. He said he was understand it was his understanding that the mail didn't run the story because it was untrue. Asked about the restraining order and his ex-girlfriend, he said that the matter had been put to rest long ago and that they remain friends. I'm kind of wondering how you can remain friends with someone that you felt the need to file a restraining order against. Hmm. Something's not right there. We don't have any details beyond that, but something's not quite right there. 
People who worked closely with Ms. Sandberg at the time said a direct threat would have been out of character, but that even a phone call from her would have likely been viewed with alarm given Facebook's influence in the news business, which is what I was saying a minute ago. Um, Let's see. Yeah. Uh, Some executives inside Facebook assert that any intervention by Ms. Sandberg over a news article, no matter her specific words, could well be perceived as a threat given the social media giant's power over web traffic and Ms. Sandberg's power and influence, according to people with knowledge of these incidents. A spokeswoman for Meta, the corporate name that Facebook adopted last year, said Sheryl Sandberg never threatened the Mail Online's business relationship with Facebook in order to influence an editorial decision, but it seems they did, you know? It seems they did, the two of them. Yeah, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. Uh, In the second instance in 2019, when the publication was once again looking into the matter, Ms. Sandberg emailed Jonathan Harmsworth, also known by his aristocratic title, Viscount Rothmere, the great-grandson of the Daily Mail's founder and chairman of its parent company, with concerns about the potential article. According to people familiar with the communication, she wrote that she appreciated the Mail's, quote, commitment to getting the facts right, end quote, the people said. Lord Rothamere, who has a policy of not getting involved in editorial matters, referred the issue to Mr. Clark. Some of those people said Mr. Clark and Ms. Sandberg exchanged emails in 2019. According to a person familiar with the exchange, Mr. Clark left the mail in February 2020. One person with knowledge of the situation inside the mail said those who interacted with Ms. Sandberg at the publication didn't feel threatened. The Mail Online is one of the most trafficked English-language news websites, says the Wall Street Journal, and like many publishers, relies on Facebook for a portion of its traffic. And then there's a little bit about, you know, they change the algorithms and pivot to video and all that other junk. In 2016, Facebook announced two new formats for video ads, citing the Mail as one of the premium publishers who had received advance access to them. Using those new video ad formats required publishers to use two other Facebook products, Facebook Audience Network and Instant Articles, both of which the Mail had access to. News Corp, owner of the journal of Wall Street Journal, has a commercial agreement to supply news through Facebook. During the three years in which they dated, Mr. Kotek and Ms. Sandberg regularly tapped employees at one another's companies for public relations advice, according to people close to the couple at the time. In 2016, Mr. Kotek forwarded an inquiry from a journal reporter to a Facebook employee who worked for Ms. Sandberg, among others. He inadvertently copied the journal reporter on the email. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Kotek has led Activision since 1991. We know all of this already. Um, The journal reported in November that Mr. Kotek knew of misconduct allegations for years and didn't report them to the board of directors, which is starting to be a problem with the board of directors. Skipping ahead, the public case file in Los Angeles County Superior Court related to the March 2014 restraining order, which court officials said would typically include all the relevant documents, doesn't currently contain a copy of the sworn declaration made by Mr. Kotek's ex-girlfriend. The journal reviewed a transcript of her declaration. In the declaration, she said she informed Mr. Kotek their relationship was over because of what she said was his bullying and controlling nature. He then showed up at her Los Angeles home uninvited and tried to get in, prompting her to call the police, according to the declaration. She said the police gave her an emergency protective order. The subsequent temporary restraining order blocked Mr. Kotek from coming within 100 yards yards of her or contacting her, according to court records. It was dissolved on April 17, 2014. On Thursday, after this article was published, a representative for his ex-girlfriend provided a written statement on her behalf, quote, The statements I made about Bobby over eight years ago are false. 
Was it really, though? Was it really? I mean, how many people really go through a breakup and go through the trouble of filing a restraining order and getting one? Maybe she was scared at the time. I don't know what on earth she thought she would be getting out of him from having that or if she just wanted him to go away. I don't know, but it just seems kind of fishy to me overall. And and that's what's going on with that. <laughs> you know, it just like there's every time you think you know everything about Bobby Kotek and his inaction to do the right thing, uh, you find more. You do. It's just everywhere, which might be. And I am speculating wildly here. I have no evidence of this, but perhaps this is why Microsoft hasn't actually talked about Bobby's severance package when he leaves after the merger. I don't know. I'm just speculating, but it kind of adds up in a way. There is a press release on Business Wire, who posts a lot of press releases, titled Activision Blizzard Announces Board Developments, Lulu Chang Missouri Elected, and Carrie Carr Nominated for Election. So I'll read you a little bit of this. Activision Blizzard announced today... Uh, this would have been the 21st, so yesterday, the election of Lulu Chang Missouri to the company's board of directors. In addition, the company announced that Carrie Carr will be nominated for election to the company's board of directors at Activision Blizzard's 2022 annual meeting of stockholders. Ms. Missouri joined the board on April 16 and is serving on the Workplace Responsibility Committee. Ms. Missouri will stand for re-election to the board at the company's 2022 annual meeting. If elected, Ms. Carr will serve on the audit committee. Hendrick J. Hartong III and Casey Wasserman have chosen not to stand for re-election at the 2022 annual meeting. Their service as directors will conclude upon the election of the directors at the 2022 annual meeting. And then we have some quotes from people who uh, know them. This is typical in a press release. You have, here is the thing we want you to know about. Here's a quote from the person involved in the thing. Here is the person who is joining because of the thing. So it's all of that, the rest of it. So I'm just going to skip ahead on that. But that's two people, two women that seem to be joining the board. More details on that come from Wowhead, actually. And um, Wowhead's doing some good news about this stuff. I've noticed that as I've been you know, writing about it and reading about it and telling you about it. They have an article uh, written a day ago uh, by someone named, I can't pronounce it, it, it. I think this might be a character name um, or it could be their name, but I don't want to butcher it. So I'm just going to go from here. So it's titled Upcoming Changes to Activision Blizzard Board of Directors. Activision Blizzard is adding two new members to their board of directors and two others will be leaving. Lulu Chang Missouri and Carrie Carr will both be standing for election at the annual shareholder meeting on April 28th, which will also decide whether or not to officially approve Activision Blizzard's $68.7 billion sale to Microsoft. Meanwhile, Hendrick J. Hartong III and Casey Wasserman have chosen not to stand for re-election and will be leaving the board, marking the end of their seven-year tenure. Lulu Chang Missouri is technically already a member of the board elected to serve on the Workplace Responsibility Committee last week on April 16th, but will stand for public re-election alongside Carrie Carr, who will serve on the Audit Committee. Missouri is currently VP of Communications at Substack, and previous work history includes positions at the World Bank, MIT Lincoln Laboratory, and McLarity Associates Strategic advisory firm, as well as co-founding Trailrunner International. Carr has held several senior positions at Bacardi Limited since 2014, currently serving as the senior VP of Global Performance Management, and previously worked at Kid Brands Inc., Avon Products, AT&T, the American Broadcasting Company, Deloitte & Touche, if that's how you say it, and the Walt Disney Company. 
Um, there's a little bit more in here. Activision Blizzard was previously criticized for failing to meet a relatively new California state law requiring a minimum of three female directors on boards numbering six members or more. The company claimed to have begun a search, but were unable to conclude the process by the end of the 2021 deadline due to their proposed acquisition by Microsoft, suggesting that the short term of service before the board would be dissolved by Microsoft and had made the positions difficult to fill. Although that law has been struck down by the California court system and Activision Blizzard is no longer legally required to have a minimum number of female directors. The The proposed changes will bring their board of directors to six men and four women. So that's that on there. And to go on with this a bit, there's a tweet from Lulu Chang, Missouri that I could find. I haven't found one from Carr yet. I also didn't look very hard, so that's on me. And she uh, linked to at least one of these press releases uh, actually from Activision Blizzard commenting on it. Maybe it's just that. Maybe it's the press release in that tweet. I'm not digging that far. She said this on Twitter. Activision Blizzard is a legendary company at an important juncture in its progression journey. I'm honored to join this impressive board as the company focuses on winning for employees, investors, and hundreds of millions of players worldwide. Lots left to unlock. Let's go. And there's a lot of uh, people that are very happy about this comment from her that have tweeted something to that effect under it. And then we go to Jason Shearer, who uh, writes for Bloomberg and puts, actually has a lot of interesting tweets every now and again. And he wrote this, Lulu Chang Missouri, the Substack executive whose popular tweet earlier this month drew polarizing reactions, just joined the board of Activision Blizzard. Here's the tweet he is referring to, which he has posted in a screenshot. She wrote this on April 5th, 2022, Substack is hiring. If you're a Twitter employee who's considering resigning because you're worried about Elon Musk pushing for less regulated speech, dot, 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 please do not come work here. That's what she wrote. So that's kind of some of her views there. And then she's got another one where she's critiquing the New York Times. And she wrote on April 13th, Today the New York Times wrote an article about Substack. While it's a compliment to remain top of mind for the paper of record, the piece contains a lot of hearsay, cherry-picking, and personal opinion presented as fact. Here I offer an alternate framing and excavate the buried lead. And there's like a whole thread after this, which I'm not going to get into. So, um, yeah, she would have still been at Substack on the 13th, I guess. I think they said, let me go back to the... To the other thing, um, Wow had said she joined on uh, the 16th, so she was still at Substack then, so that's fine, I guess. I don't know, but it does kind of show you who she is a little bit. And I didn't read the New York Times article, so I have no idea if she's right or wrong. I have nothing to base it on. Moving on, there is a job offer under Blizzard Entertainment for an associate game producer, audio and voiceover for World of Warcraft. And it is uh, someone, okay, they're looking for a full-time producer to help support the sounds in our game. And it's, uh, you'll be supporting and nurturing pipelines for voiceover, sound design, and music. Your talent and organization and communication will help drive our dialogue recording milestones and align a team of audio creatives and designers around timelines and goals. It goes on from here. It's a whole bunch of stuff of what you're going to do and uh, experience they want you to have. And they are, they have transitioned to a work from home model due to COVID-19. So that's you know, that's an option. So if you're into that, if that's something you could do, if you have those skills, you might want to check it out. And again, links to everything are in the show notes at shatteredsoulstone.com. Moving on, um, there was another kind of mini controversy for a little while, uh, at least in the last week or so on Twitter. And so IGN has an article that was published 
today, the 22nd of April. It's titled, Blizzard President Responds to Rumors of Interest in Crypto Games, Quote, No One is Doing NFTs. And I'll read you a little bit about this if you're not on Twitter or if you missed it. As the controversy over non-fungible tokens, NFTs, continues to rage, Blizzard's president, Mike Yabara, has denied the company is interested in pursuing blockchain technology for its games. Yabara was responding to a story from Video Games Chronicle reporting that a YouGov survey asked players about crypto and NFT products in Activision Blizzard games. This sparked speculation that Activision Blizzard itself was pulling the players about the controversial technology. Yabara tweeted in response, no one is doing NFTs. And then it explains what NFTs are. If you don't know, they're, um, they're little digital items stored on a blockchain and you do not really get anything physical from this at all whatsoever. You get a picture you can use as your icon on Twitter if you pay like three bucks or something like that with a pretty little hexagon around it. But this is all I can see of it. And uh, some people try to sell those NFTs to somebody else. That's kind of what they are. If you have no idea, that's the shortest explanation I can give you. Uh, Square Enix president Yoki Matsuda ardently believes that adding blockchain technology to video games is worthwhile. He mentioned wanting to provide incentives, end quote, to players who want to create interesting content that will, quote, continue to evolve using blockchain. Theoretically, says IGN, this would allow content creators to own parts of the content created for the game. Ubisoft has been one of the most vocal proponents of NFT games. The company introduced an NFT cosmetic system called Quartz which I actually wrote about for work at some time in the past when it launched, uh, which offers a limited edition cosmetics that can be resold for cryptocurrency on third-party marketplaces. Even after the fan backlash over Quartz, Ubisoft Statistic, Statistic Innovations Lab VP Nicholas Pouard doubled down on the decision, saying that gamers simply don't understand the benefits of NFTs. Sega initially seemed interested in NFTs, but has remained noncommittal, saying that they would not implement NFTs if they were only seen as money-making schemes. The backlash from the gaming company also kept Electronic Arts at bay, with CEO Andrew Wilson reversing a statement that NFTs would be important to gaming. However, many in the gaming industry do not feel the same way. Platinum Games executives Atushi Inaba and Hideki Kaima publicly called out Konami for their NFT motivations, seeing it as more profit-driven than anything. Inaba added that the concept of NFTs could be important in the future, but early attempts won't benefit the gamers or developers. In other Blizzard news, the company is scheduled to reveal oh, the new World of Warcraft thing. You probably heard about that. It was all over Twitter and other places, and I'll get to that in a bit, possibly. I don't remember if I put that in or not, but Here's a tweet from Phil Spencer, who is the head of Xbox, and he wrote, uh, he quote tweeted a quote from Xbox Wire Twitter account that wrote, we're excited to introduce PC Game Pass is to, not to introduce, we're excited to announce PC Game Pass is now available in Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam. And there's a link where you can learn more. And Phil Spencer uh, quote tweeted that and said, it's great to be able to bring PC Games Pass to the amazing gaming communities in Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam. We hear the requests for more markets and the teams are working to continue to expand availability. So it's always good when you can expand that to more people with gaming, you know? I mean, everybody wants to play games, right? Most everybody. Maybe not everybody, everybody, but there's, you know, 
people play games on all sorts of devices. And if you have an Xbox then and you're in one of those countries, it looks like you're going to be able to play some Xbox games and have the Game Pass, the, P- the PC Game Pass as well. So those are good things. World of Warcraft released a video that uh, they described this way on Twitter. Experience the Dragonflight cinematic with audio descriptions, a narration that describes the visuals displayed. And I watched this. It's about five and a half minutes long. And it's got all of the visuals and it's got some descriptions of what pops up. And if I remember correctly, it said something like words, Blizzard Entertainment, and then showed some of what was going on and then described a bit of it after that, you know, had gone through and described more little, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. And all the way through the end, it wasn't overwhelming. I think it gave enough information so that someone that has a visual impairment or low vision or is blind and cannot see it, but can hear stuff might be able to follow along with that. And this is something like what they did for one of their recent Hearthstone videos. It was kind of done like that. And I think that's a great way to bring accessibility into, you know, the games, basically. I'm hoping there's something that will... I don't know yet. I have not played World of Warcraft in a very long time, but I would like to see voiceover options so that if you've got a character talking to you in a little box of text that you can't hear, you know, you could still get that experience and know what they're saying. I don't know if they're doing that or not yet. I I hope they will. But like I said, I haven't played World of Warcraft in quite a while. Okay, so the reason I titled this show It's Happening is because of the Diablo Immortal announcement that went out uh, uh, today on the Diablo Immortal Twitter account. And it's a a video you get to watch on YouTube. They're going to do it on April 25th at 7.30 a.m. ET. And there is a link to more information, which links to YouTube. And it's not a whole blog post or anything. There's a whole bunch of people talking in the top chat over on the side of it. And um, <laughs> I'm not really sure, you know, like how much is being said. It looks like if I wanted to right now, I could sign in to uh, YouTube. I, I have a YouTube. I have two YouTube accounts and I'm just not going to sign in right now for that. But there's the Diablo Immortal Diablo on the front. It says the logo Diablo Immortal. Tune in April 25 at 7.30 a.m. ET. It premieres in two days from now at the time I'm recording this. And I'm hoping this is going to mean that they're announcing the release of Diablo Immortal for everyone, you know, on, you know, whatever devices you're using. I'm hoping that's what it's going to say. I don't know what else they could possibly have to say that they're going to reserve this time and get everybody hyped up for a couple of days in the meantime, other than that. And I've played Diablo Immortal a little bit. I did it at the 2018 BlizzCon. Sean, our recorder here, who uh, edits the show as well, much better than I ever could, played it with me. And we had a good time, even though it was very minimal at that moment and hadn't been built out to what you might be seeing in the betas or the alphas. I did get into one of the closed alphas on this. It was a lot of fun. You know, I'm interested in playing the game. I'm sure a lot of you are waiting for this game too. And now we get to wait for two days and get all excited and hyped and, you know, speculate about what it might show. But I think this has got to be the video where they say, and we're releasing it and, and whatever date they're releasing it on, it might be the 25th. I don't know. 
but it's really exciting to finally see this game coming out that so many people like this game has been through so many emotions essentially you know right when it was released in 2018 the announcement just the announcement that this was going to be on a mobile and not on you know pcs and therefore max people got upset i think you might remember some of that if you were there or you heard about it and now there's so many people that are on twitch that you know, get into the alpha and the beta for this game and play it on Twitch so other people can check it out and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we could we could have this for real guys and gals and non-binary pals very soon. <laughs> and I'm totally excited about this. But again, we're going to have to wait and see exactly what this is going to say. And I don't know how long this thing's going to be. There's no indication. You can... There's apparently 74 people waiting for this right now. You can see the number on the side of the screen. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, it's happening. It's finally happening. <laughs> and uh, moving on to some other stuff that relates, actually. Um, looks like Echo Hack has released a video called Demon Hunter Guide Diablo Immortal Season 1. It's a YouTube video. And <laughs> the, the screen he's got for it is um really interesting it's got like a demon hunter with like a flaming set of armor and and highlights of the weapons and things like that looks pretty good so if you're looking for that and the diablo account moving on is talking now about diablo 2 and they wrote mercenaries are stronger and they have the two little cross swords emoji and it says enhanced ability enhanced abilities have arrived with diablo 2 resurrected patch 2.4 i haven't played that in a bit because i've been really busy but i'll get there and so it's got some things here mercenary buffs rogue archer gets freezing arrow and explosion arrow and can now use the amazon bows um, I'm not reading you all the details, but you know, just a little. The mercenary buffs for the desert mercenary has thorns aura level scaling increased. The mercenary buffs for the iron wolf has firebolt, enchant, and static field. And there's some details about the stats on those. And then the barbarian warrior mercenary buffs is in the battle cry. And there's also new ferocious barbarian available for hire from Qual Keck. That gets dual wielding, that's hard to say, and has frenzy, taunt, and iron skin abilities. So those sound like fun. I've only made it into Act 2, and I got the first quest done where you have to go into the sewers over and over. Or at least I had to go in over and over. Um, and I'll get back to it. I'm intending to put videos up of that like I do for my Diablo 3 stuff. I just haven't gotten there yet. So um, it's still exciting because it sounds like it'll be more fun when I jump in there and Maybe all of you have already done that, you know. They've also got a video. It says the Amazon has grown mightier. Class powers have increased with patch 2.4 in Diablo 2 Resurrected. There's a little tiny gif, and she's shooting a bow at these big demons coming at her, and they all flame up and fall over, and that's kind of neat. And if you go along, and if you follow down, there's a video like this for all of the other classes, too. So they look pretty powerful. Um, the barbarian one is that shout, and it seems to be like knocking over or backing up some of the enemies, which is kind of neat because that's what I'm playing in Diablo 2. And there's just, you know, the druid, the sorceress, the assassin, all the classes are there. And then they get to the necromancer, and it's a close up face of the necromancer, and they wrote, Necromancer is perfect, no notes, which I found kind of amusing. <laughs> but that's all in there. 
Maxwell has a latter season one of Diablo 2 Resurrected that will start in less than a week with insane content updates, according to the tweet. Check out one of the strongest new build guides, the Fist of the Heavens Paladin. So if you're playing a paladin, you might want to check that out for D2. There's a video, a YouTube video from uh, Ashley, who goes by Trix Magistus, and it has to do with the... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, bear rune, B-E-R rune, that I think she found and she was very excited about, I, th I think. I'm trying to remember. I watched the video, but I can't remember because it's been a bit. Uh, Big Daddy Dunn has a YouTube video called uh, Season 26. This is Diablo, Diablo 3, of course. It's Season 26, Witch Doctor Greater Rift Speeds Spirit Barrage, which you can check out if you're playing a Witch Doctor or considering it. And Anna Cake has a video, a short video, 30-second video, and she made it to rank two with Witch Doctor, and the difference between her and rank one was 0 0.017 seconds, and so she's reacting to that in a way that seems very appropriate. Uh, there's two things from Rex Antarax. He has posted the Challenge Rift 252 North America guide on Reddit. It's a video as far as I remember. And he's also got, uh, I don't know if he's got the EU one. I, I think I've got the North America one twice. He's probably got an EU one, which I just didn't see before he started this. And that's all I have for today. As far as me, I've been playing a little bit of the season 26 in Diablo 3. The first video is up on my YouTube, uh, Book of Jen YouTube, and I played through more of it and thought my recording software was picking it up, but it wasn't. So I did another video where I kind of pointed out, well, here's the stuff I did while I was actually not recording and that video will be up sometime soon. I'm going to keep going. I'm playing a monk again this time because I had a lot of fun with it last time. And that's really all I have for this episode. So I'm going to close out the show. You have been listening to episode 356 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>